Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will open our hearts as we hear once again the story of your resurrection, your victory, which gives us hope, which gives us life. We know that you are with us as, as you promised, so continue to bless us in every way and bless all who hear your message today throughout our nation, throughout the world, that many more may come to faith and live as your people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Breaking news. You see that on TV all the time. When something new happens, something important happens. Breaking news. Did you hear anything about breaking news? Jesus has risen, just as he said this morning on TV. I did see a, a, some TV coverage about Easter, and they took us to Jerusalem and showed us the, uh, some of the sites along the way where Jesus had walked. But no one really declared Jesus is alive, and he lives for us today. Maybe they're, they're not, the newscasters aren't able, aren't enabled to say that, even if they believe it. Well, the Easter surprise was really no surprise at all because we know that God had promised almost immediately after the fall into sin, promised to Adam and Eve, that uh, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your, your seed. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That victory over Satan, over death, happened, of course, on the cross. It had been accomplished. Victory over sin, victory over death. In rising from death on Easter, Jesus showed those whom he knew and loved then, and he shows us today that he kept his promise that Old Testament promise. And he kept the promise that he had made many times to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. These words of Jesus seemed beyond comprehension to his disciples who were with him and heard those words several times. The women making their way to the tomb on Easter morning may have heard Jesus speak of that as well, but it didn't make a lot of sense to them either because they were going there not to greet the risen Savior, but they were going there to anoint a dead body. The preparations for burial had been done in haste on that Friday evening. And so they wanted to make sure things were okay, all right, for the one they loved. So Mark and Luke, those gospel writers, both uh, speak about the women bringing spices to anoint Jesus' body. Matthew just tells us Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Ironically, the only ones who remembered and took seriously what Jesus' word, uh, Jesus words about rising on the third day 
were the chief priests, the Pharisees, because they went to Pilate, and they requested that a guard be placed at the tomb, because they said, we heard Jesus say, that deceiver, they called him the deceiver, we heard that deceiver tell us that on the third day he would rise from the dead. And we want to make sure that his disciples don't come and steal the body, take it away, and tell everyone that Jesus has risen from the dead. And so they wanted Pilate to give the order to set a guard there on the, at the sealed stone at the tomb so that the disciples couldn't steal the body. Ironically, that very act assures all of us that the body wasn't stolen, that Jesus did rise from the dead. Matthew's account of Jesus' resurrection is somewhat brief. He declares to us and to all who will read it or hear it, first of all, God calls attention to the event as he did at the death of Jesus with an earthquake. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. And those strong and well-trained Roman soldiers were not prepared for the appearance of that angel. They became like dead men, frightened. They couldn't do a thing. If Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were present at the tomb at that moment, when the angel appeared, we're not told that they became as terrified as those soldiers were. The angel of the Lord simply proclaimed to them the breaking news that Jesus was alive. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And that's why the tomb had been opened, so that those who came to see could see that it was empty. Jesus was not there. Go quickly and tell his disciples, the angel said. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The angel's proclamation ends with, Now I have told you, to indicate that this was the last word, God's word, the truth. That is what the women did. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And then, as you heard, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. That's the simple Easter gospel from Matthew. Well, what difference does the resurrection of Jesus make? That's perhaps a very... Uh, silly question to ask on Easter Sunday. Before Jesus called Lazarus to life out of his tomb, restoring his life, he said to Martha, you remember his words, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The Apostle Paul assures us. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And being resurrected with Jesus isn't something we must wait for until the end of our physical life here. It takes place already in our baptism. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Christians in Colossae. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In what is often referred to as the resurrection chapter, it's chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. Again, in that same chapter, Paul assures us, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what difference does the the resurrection of Jesus make in our life right now? The resurrection of Jesus proves to us that the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us and for all people has been sufficient to destroy the power of death, to provide forgiveness for our sins. We are set free from the curse of sin and death. As forgiven sinners who are dearly loved by our Lord and Savior, we are we will be given guidance also through his word, the word that he provides, and through the Holy Spirit, which he pours out upon us in our baptism. Paul gives us some of that guidance in the passages following our epistle lesson today to the Colossians. First, Paul lists those things to avoid doing. He said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Then he adds some more attitudes and actions which we must avoid as Christ-resurrected people. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And then Paul lists those attitudes and actions 
which is resurrected people of God, given new life in him, should be uh, present and obvious in our lives. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the resurrection of Jesus has made a big difference in our lives and for us. Since the day of our baptism, we are alive in Christ. We have been raised with Christ. The living Christ who paid the price for our sins by his suffering and death on the cross, and we needed that forgiveness because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus, who paid that price for us, is alive. He has given us the victory. He promises us, as he promised his own disciples, I am with you always to the end of the age. Your living Lord and Savior comes to you in no greater way than when he comes in the Lord's Supper, giving to you with the bread his body and with the wine his blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. It's amazing as we receive those elements and believe that we are receiving also Christ's body and blood, that he is really with us and in us. He is alive with us, just as he promised. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Just as he told the women and as he tells us, don't be afraid. Go and tell others that Jesus is alive. God bless us as we continue to do that in our lives, not only today, but throughout the days of Easter and throughout the entire church year as the Lord enables us.